Thank you for listening to the Shanghai Community Fellowship Podcast. To find out more about the SCF community, listen to sermons, and upcoming events, visit us at shanghaifellowship.org. All right, well, welcome back. And today we are starting a new series, uh, a series for Lent. And we're talking about the spring of our renewal. And each Sunday now, between today, uh, February 26th, the last Sunday of February, and all the way up until, well, including Palm Sunday, which is April 2nd, we're going through a series together uh, called The Spring of Our Renewal. And it, as I said, it's a series for Lent. Now, uh, I have to say that you know, Lent, L-E-N-T, is uh, uh, not a part of my own Christian tradition, uh, the one that I would have been discipled in. Uh, but many, many, millions of Christians all over the world uh, celebrate Lent. And Lent is the word that describes this season, a period of 40 days prior to um, the resurrection of Jesus, Easter Sunday, what we would call Easter Sunday. Now, Lent is not a biblical word, and the season that leads up, 40 days that leads up to uh, Easter is, is, you're not going to find that in the Bible. You're not going to see the Apostle Paul or the Apostle John uh, writing to a church in the New Testament saying, hey, everybody, it's, it's Lent season, get ready. Um, but it was uh, given by the elders of the church, the leaders of the church, many, many hundreds of years ago to help us as a body of Christ just kind of bring some attention and focus uh, to the most significant event, not only on the church calendar, but the most significant event in all of human history. No exaggeration. The most significant event in all of human history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, and and it, it changes everything, it changes the world, it changes the cosmos, and it changes the future of the human experience and every single thing known and unknown. It's that comprehensive in its scope and really in many ways beyond probably what we can possibly imagine or conceive, all anchored in uh, the resurrection of Jesus. No mind can conceive what God has done and accomplished in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All things are subject to him and all things belong to him. Uh, and this is where we're headed, folks. We are headed to the exaltation of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Now, this time of the year, every year, it's like, a, it's, it's like an intentional alignment for us as Jesus's people to, to remember the, the significance of the magnitude, the glory and majesty of the resurrection of Jesus. So these 40 days prior to uh, the Easter celebration, and they're, by the way, they're counted 40, uh, and you get the number 40 by not counting the Sundays, right? Uh, so you take out the Sundays, you come up, you get 40 days. And of course, 40 is a uh, very strong biblical number. You think about Jesus's 40 days uh, in the uh, desert under temptation, uh, the people of God, Israel's 40 days, uh, 40 uh, you know years in the wilderness, and so you get you get that that strong uh, designation of this number of 40. Uh, but again, just kind of catching the wave, if you will. Of, of this number and time. Now, uh, one of the things we do during Lent is uh, we take the time to uh, bring some self-control back into our lives. Some of us have plenty of that. Some of us need to work on that by either giving up something during these 40 days or adding something to our lives. It's a way to, it's a really a way to shape ourselves around 
the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. So I'm practicing some self-control. I'm, I'm, I'm giving something up for these 40 days. So, and then during that time and in place of that, uh, I'm, I'm offering prayer, I'm offering a time in his word, or I'm adding, adding to my life, to, uh, a time to work on a particular relationship, a time to invest myself in my own spiritual growth uh, during these 40 days. Either way, by adding to or taking away, uh, we're intentionally recognizing that this is a whole life experience, that the resurrection of Jesus, about, about his power in resurrection has completely changed our lives uh, from top to bottom, uh, comprehensively and holistically. And we are embracing and, and watching God enhance his resurrection power in us during this season of, of Lent. It's the story uh, uh, that is told in and through us that the old life, our life of sin, has been washed away and the new life that has been shaped into the image of Christ is a reality in me and in you. So this series that we're starting today, the about the, uh, the spring of our renewal. This series is, is about going deeper into the renewing power of the resurrection of Jesus. You think of all the, all the words that begin with R, right? Uh, uh, con concerning the resurrection of Jesus. There's a word that begins with an R. You know, redemption, restoration, uh, and, and also renewal. Uh, and this series is about the spring of our renewal in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're gonna start a journey today, each and every Sunday, as we move closer to the celebration of Jesus' resurrection. As I said earlier, everything changed on that day. The day that Jesus was resurrected, and, and, and I say this every year almost, not resuscitated. All right, you say, well, what's the difference? Well, a resuscitation is what happened to Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus and John chapter 11 is a resuscitation. Uh, Lazarus is resuscitated from the dead, but sometime later in Lazarus's life, he dies and he is buried and he remains in that grave. Jesus is not resuscitated. We're not celebrating on Easter Sunday the resuscitation of Jesus. We're celebrating that this man, Jesus, the Son of God, was crucified, was buried in a borrowed tomb. He died and was buried, and then on the third day he was resurrected, never to die again. Jesus didn't die some 30 days, uh, 30 days or 30 years later, only to be buried, and there he remains today in his grave. Jesus was raised from the dead, never to die again. That's an important distinction, never to die again. That's what we're celebrating. Now, there are many sides to this renewal, and each Sunday we're going to be taking a look at this. Uh, this we're going to look at the promise of God, which is a part of the spring of our renewal. We're going to look at the testing, which is a part of the spring of our renewal, the, the awakening and the quickening that are also part of this renewal. But first, starting today, we're going to look at the hope, the hope that is the foundation of the renewal that we experience in Jesus Christ. Um, this is going to be the way. Uh, hope, for many of us, is understood in the message that things do not have to remain the same. Where there is hope, there is a belief in the promise that things can and will 
change. You're hopeful. Why are you hopeful? I'm hopeful because it won't always be like this. I'm hopeful because things can change. I'm hopeful because I know I can change. It's possible that I can change. And there is the foundation of our hope built upon the resurrection of Jesus. Things don't always have to be this way. And they don't because Jesus raised from the grave, raised on, raised on the third day, is the promise of our hope. And this promise of hope, this real hope, is the seed of our, of, of our renewal. Uh, uh, Jesus has come to right a wrong. Uh, he's come to bring healing, to heal that which was broken. It's clear to us, or at least it should be, that we need a savior, that we need a healer. The world needs a savior. The world needs a healer and that we need and needed another opportunity to get it right. And let's talk about that for a few moments because we needed another opportunity to get it right. I like, I really like the way the guys at the Bible Project, Tim Mackey and John, uh, capture this. They say it this way. Uh, uh, when God tells the story of what it means to be a human being, what it means to be you and me, especially what we share in common and all human beings share in common, this human nature that all of us uh, share together, that, that part of the telling of that story is, is the way our beginnings is described. All right, so at the beginning, we as human beings had the freedom to choose God. We had the freedom to, to, to partner with God himself on the planet where we live. We, we have the freedom to partner with God and to walk in his ways and then to trust him in the knowledge, his knowledge of good and evil. So here we are, right out of the box, right? Uh, you know, right just as it come, direct from the factory, as they say. And, and before anything goes wrong, we have the freedom to partner with God and trust in his knowledge of good and evil. And that's what they had. That's what our ancestors had. These characters called Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. That's what, that's what they had. Or they had the choice to not share in the freedom that comes with partnering with God and trusting in his knowledge of good and evil. They had the choice to grab their own power. They had the choice to say, no thanks. Uh, I'm, I, I'll grab my own power um, and I will, I will define what is good. I'm going to say what's good or what's not good or evil or, or, or bad. Um, and, and this choice is something that God warns of, of and says, you know, if you go that way, um, here's, here's, here's what I need to tell you. If you go that way, it's going to kill you. It's, it's going to kill you. So they hear the voice of a dark creature uh, who tells them that the choice is actually very simple. Take the power. Take the power. Don't let God tell you uh, what good is or what evil is. Uh, he lied to them and told them there's no freedom in trusting God. Get away from that and grab your own power, make your own choice, and you're smart enough. And, and, and besides, you know, God's trying to keep something from you. That was kind of the, the, the base of that, of, that, of that lie. And that's what they did. They grabbed the power and they chose to um, define good and evil in their own terms and it killed them. It killed them as it is killing us today. Killing us today. Jesus is our second chance at this. Jesus is our second chance at this. 
because Jesus resists that same evil presence, right? There's a story that's told in, in, in Genesis 2 and 3 and Matthew chapter 4, but Jesus resists that same evil presence to not choose freedom in God, to not trust in God's knowledge of good and evil. Jesus resists that temptation, and because of this, we now have a choice as well. Now, to tell you the truth, we weren't born with much of a choice. We were born as, as descendants of this, I'm going to grab my own power, uh, I'm going to find my own freedom, and I'm going to be the one that defines what's good and what is not good, what's good and what is evil. We're, we're just, we're, we, that came with the package when, when the day that we arrived on the planet, the day that our mothers gave birth to us. That's how we started out. What Jesus has done and made it possible for us to once again have a real choice, have a, have a real choice. Um, and so what we have is once again, uh, another tree. This time the tree is a cross. And that cross, cross is giving us the same choice. We can, we can stay with the old way or we can choose the new way, characterized by the forgiveness of our sin uh, uh, and knowing that we are loved and that we are empowered to love as God loves, loving each other and loving him. Now, what's really great and cool, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time today, is that David, the likely author of Psalm 32, he, he really captures this and he kind of digs deeper for us. So we're going we're gonna to follow David in Psalm 32 uh, as he captures what was made possible for us, a, a, another choice uh, or a, a, the same choice given to us again through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. We're gonna, we're gonna follow David as he looks at that and sees what is possible through the gift of forgiveness and love expressed through the person and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He captures that in Psalm 32. And here's Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. David would write, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And I, I, I love that phrase because it appears in a chorus that we sing. Um, um, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. And uh, I know I am a child of God. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye on you. I do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. 
All right, so David, the psalmist, is describing what is possible for us by choosing Jesus. What is possible for us as humans, as, as individual people, possible because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And it begins with the promise of a blessing. That psalm, what David is describing, will, will begin with a blessing and it actually ends with a blessing. It begins with a blessing, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. What, is, what it is to be forgiven. And then it ends with another blessing, blessed are those who, to whom God has demonstrated his steadfast love. We are blessed because we have taken the way or the path to our own spiritual health. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, a path has made, been made clear to you and I that will lead to our own holistic and complete spiritual health. And that's what's provided in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is where the hope of things can be different, I can be different, becomes a reality. So there are three steps that I want to talk about today. Three steps that lead to our own spiritual health. And the first step is this. It's the step of confession or, or confessing, right? Uh, confession of our sin leads to our, and it's the first step that leads, it leads to our own spiritual health. Um, the Genesis story tells us how sin has, breaks fellowship with God. It, it, it breaks the fellowship that we have with God. It comes through our own disobedience. It comes through our own uh, not trusting God, through our own grabbing of the power uh, for ourselves, through our own stubborn insistence that we ourselves will decide what is good or bad. Um, it's this stubborn refusal to acknowledge the authority of God and his rightful place in our lives. This is the story that's told in Genesis. This is the story that's told again in Matthew 4 and Luke chapter 4, except now with that same temptation before him, Jesus does not fail. And the results are different. I put it this way. This, this act of confession is really um, an, an honest admission on my part. Often characterized by the words, at least in English, I don't know how it translates for you into your first language, but in English, often translated into the words, I'm wrong. I was wrong. I really blew it there. I, I, was, I, I, I disobeyed. I knew your voice. I grabbed the power for myself. I decided what would be right or wrong. I didn't listen to you, God. I didn't listen to your counsel. I didn't hear your word. I knew your word and I willfully and purposely disobeyed it. I was wrong. I am wrong. It's a confession of an honest admission of who I really am in the very depths of my heart and in the secret place of my own thinking and thought life. And it's an admission of who I am and what I have become without the life-giving power of Jesus Christ. I was wrong. This is an honest admission. Um, I, 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 not to make light of confession, but, but uh, uh, years ago, uh, I went, you know, went to the U.S. during the summer, uh, made a trip back to my hometown. 
And while I was there, uh, I needed to see a dentist. And actually, I got a chance to, I saw the dentist that was my childhood dentist. I've known him for, you knew him for years. And so needed to see a dentist. So I made an appointment. I went to see uh, my, my dentist while I was back in my hometown. And, you know, they, I'm, I'm in the dentist chair and they're, you know, they're, as the dentist and the dental assistant, you know, they're, I've got my mouth wide open and they start to work on my teeth and they're inside my mouth with the little instruments. And, and, and they say to me, uh, the dental assistant says to me, um, do you floss? Do you, do you use dental floss? And I, I said, no, I don't, no, don't. And they, and they, and they started to laugh and the two of them. And of course, uh, like it must be an inside dentist joke because I, I didn't do what was so funny about that. Uh, but so they explained, they, they realized uh, the awkwardness of the moment. And they said, well, and, 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 and uh, he said, the dentist said, well, he said, we're laughing because we ask that people, we ask that question to people all the time. He said, and the truth is, is that we're about 99% sure just by looking at your teeth, uh, whether you floss or you don't floss. So we pretty much already know the answer um, when we ask the question. And he said, most people, so we know they're not flossing. Most people uh, cannot or will not confess that they do not floss. They'll say things like, well, I mean to, sometimes I do. My mother flosses. You know, I have a whole drawer full of dental floss at home. I'm going to start that pretty soon. They give every kind of answer you can possibly imagine except a confession of, no, I don't floss. And he said, what was funny today was that, is that you so freely confessed, you know, no, you don't floss. I, no, nope, I don't floss. Uh, you just owned it, right? And I, I think uh, in, in a somewhat humorous way, if you can make uh, uh, confession humorous, I'm not sure that's even possible. But what I'm getting at is this, free and clear, without guile, honest, coming clean. No, I don't floss. No, I was not obedient. No, I knew what you wanted me to do. I understood your will. I knew what, I, what fellowship with you would mean to me in this moment, and I disobeyed. And to come out and to come clean with that is confession. And, and furthermore, the willingness, because I can only confess what I know, um, and my heart and your heart can be actually a deceitful thing. We, we really tell ourselves a lot of stories that why we want to believe so we don't have to confess anything. So confession and admission like this is also really opening ourselves up uh, to allowing God to look deep into our heart, deep into our heart to show us what he finds there. All right, uh, uh, the second part of uh, or second step in this path or way to our spiritual health is therefore then bringing out into the open that which has been hidden. And when we bring that which has been hidden out into the open, where are we bringing it? Because that's kind of what we want to know. Is it going to be on, on a stage somewhere with a spotlight for all the world to see? It makes us a little nervous. We take what has been hidden and we bring it out where? Into the merciful presence of God. So I'm bringing out what has been hidden, not yes to my judge, but to the judge who has given his very life to express his mercy and love for me. Uh, again, back to the Psalm, verse five, then I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, 
I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. And of course, this is always made harder because uh, our natural tendency to want to deceive ourselves, um, we're forever trying to cover things up, but there's no hiding place from God. There never has been and there never will be. He sees and knows everything, not so he can hate us and reject us, but so that he can love us and receive us and show us his mercy. You know, whatever stress we're feeling, whatever pressure we're feeling from our own pride uh, is relieved when we make this confession and bring that which is hidden out into the open. To experience God's healing uh, of our souls, to experience God's healing of our memories, and, 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 and even to experience God's healing of our bodies, physical healing, is often anchored, if not always anchored, in this act, in this step of confession, and in this second step of bringing that which is hidden out into the open. I think of what happened with Jesus as he spoke to the paralytic man in Matthew chapter 9, verse 6. He said to him, your sins are forgiven, and that broken man, physically broken, takes up his mat and he walks away. He's physically healed as he realizes and receives uh, the forgiveness of his sins. Uh, it, it's his confession that leads into a positive uh, deposit of God's presence in our lives, and we feel it and experience it even physically. All right, so, so let, me, let me talk a little bit about forgiveness uh, because it's so important, and it is a, a gift that is deep within uh, the gospel message of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, this psalmist, and I want to thank John Golden Gave for this, this psalmist uh, gives us three key words to express what forgiveness means. And those three words are to carry, to cover, and to, and here's a negative, to not count, to not count. All right, so, so first he helps us to understand what forgiveness is by describing it as something and using the word carry. It's it, because carry is what is often translated the word forgive, but it literally means to carry. In other words, when someone does a wrong to someone else, the wrong person ends up having to carry something that was not there before. I mean, you think about someone who has offended you, someone who has lied to you, someone who has betrayed you, someone who has sinned against you. Now, through no fault, so often not no fault of your own or unwanted on your part, you and I now have something that we have to carry. I didn't want this. I didn't want this experience. I didn't want this painful memory. I didn't want this to happen to me, but I now have something that I have to carry. And I've got to carry it. Um, uh, and, 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 and the consequences of what's happened between us, that's also something I have to carry. I wasn't responsible for it, but I now have to carry it. Uh, instead of seeking uh, vengeance against that person, the wrong person, the wrong person now is going to try to refuse uh, responding by doing something wrong to the person who hurt us, right? But that's going on between the two of us. Uh, the, 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 if, if, that's a, if that's a legal thing, the person said, uh, you know, we might, we might have broken the law, right? Uh, we might have done something, we might have stolen something out of somebody's house, and the state might have something to say about our stealing somebody's uh, DVD player or, or computer, a laptop out of somebody's apartment, but the owner of that will have to carry something between us and can 
forgive us. The second word is cover. So carry, we have something to carry now because of something that has been done to us, a wrong that has been done to us. And we now have something between us to carry. The second word is to cover. Uh, there is, there, there's potentially two ways to understand covering here. Uh, of course, if the person who is the wrongdoer is covering, we call that a cover-up, right? And nobody likes a cover-up. I'm trying to cover things up here. I did this, I did this thing, it was wrong, and now I'm trying to cover my tracks and to cover up. But it's also possible for the person who has been wronged against to also cover. And that person, when that person covers, that's a good thing. The Old Testament often spoke of wrongdoing causing a stain. When something happens against another person, when something wrong has been done against another person, uh, often the Bible describes this as causing a stain between us. The wrong person, the wronged person, uh, is now covering a stain, uh, something that has happened between us. The, the third word is count, all right? And it, it suggests the image of a court record. Um, you know, in personal relationships, um, we, we, don't, we don't count wrongs against another. Uh, in fact, Paul actually says in 1 Corinthians 13, this is the very definition of love, to not count the wrongs that we have experienced with each other. We don't, we don't count them. You know? Now, of course, in real time with real people, um, uh, it, it, it can look, it, it doesn't look like, like a court record, right? Okay, we go down to the court. Uh, here's my, somebody just happened to me recently. They said, you know, my record, you know, something that happened years ago. Uh, and he said, well, how come I, how come, you know, how come this is happening to me? Well, you know, you know, it's on your court record. It's on, it's on your court record. All right. So, you know, that between us and real people in real time, we don't treat each other like, like the county court, right? With a, a, a program that keeps track of all of our records. However, we can't say to each other, hey, I came clean. I came out with it. I brought it out, what happened between us. Now you are obligated to forgive me. Um, it, it, it doesn't remain that way, or it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, uh, you know, of course, if we've been deceitful, then we're not gonna probably get any uh, hope in that. Uh, conversely, or on the other, in the other way, we cannot say, you know, she never, she never admitted to that. She never admitted to it. She didn't come clean uh, with that. She didn't bring that out, what was hidden. And therefore, I can't forgive her, okay? I just, I just, I, it's impossible. I'm waiting for her to bring this out. But the truth is, uh, you don't have to have someone ask you for forgiveness in order for you to forgive them. Did you realize that? that you don't have to have someone or that particular person who committed a wrong against you to ask you for forgiveness in order for you to forgive them. That is possible anytime. To offer and grant forgiveness is possible anytime. As the psalmist points out, this is exactly how God works between us. And, and, and this is how it should work between people. And this is how God works it out between us and him. He carries our wrongdoing. In your sin and in my sin, that we, there, there, there was a, 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 a something between us. My sin created something between us. God didn't want it. He wasn't looking for it. It's not his fault. 
He didn't do it, but he's now got something that he has to carry between us. And he is willing to take the responsibility of carry, of carrying that wrong, that sin between us for our sake, for our sake. God's covering up our wrongdoing by putting his hand over it uh, so that he can't see it. The blood of Jesus covers the stain of our sin. And he, he refuses and declines to count against us that which we have brought between us, the sin that it separates us. He is not keeping a record of our wrongs. The death of Jesus on the cross is the ultimate, God's ultimate taking of responsibility for our relationship. God has taken responsibility for our relationship. He's the one who is doing it, making it possible by carrying our relationship for us. Uh, God's carrying and covering us not counting these sins against us. By implication, the psalmist is saying, if we try to cover up our waywardness, if we try to cover up that there's something wrong between us, and it makes me think years ago, I was backing my dad's car out of our driveway at home. I was just a new driver, probably 16 or 17 years old. And uh, tricky driveway uh, where I grew up, and you had to kind of turn the car this way. And um, anyway, uh, there was a pole, and, and I just scraped the side of the car, you know, just, just, I was just, ee, just like, oh, left a big yellow streak across the door. Uh, and, and I never told him. I just, just, just went on my way and, you know, I, I actually went out wherever I was going, brought the car back, parked it, never said anything. You know, never, never said, never, never acknowledged what had happened. I never, I never, I never acknowledged it. If we try to cover up what has been done, uh, uh, it's kind of hard uh, for, 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 for this freedom of forgiveness to work for us. We risk frustrating God's willingness to carry, to cover, and not count these things against us if we do not acknowledge where we have gone wayward and we have sinned against him. Uh, what it often means is that we will go back around the mountain again and again and again, you ever notice that how you can end up in the same situations again and again? You you encounter the same offenses again and again and again. The same kind of things continue to happen with you. You know, we keep going around the mountain again and again and again. We can't acknowledge what has happened, and we can't acknowledge our part in it or our wrongdoing or our own sinfulness, and we end up going around the mountain again and again. The third step and the path that leads to our spiritual health is finding the hiding place and not a hiding place and then staying there. Because there's no place to hide unless that hiding place is in God. The psalmist said that the way to do this is to uh, speak out of your own healing. Speak out of your own forgiveness. Speak clearly and openly. Go public with how God has healed you how God has forgiven you, how God himself has given you new life. Go public with that and encourage other people to find what you have found in Christ by praying, by bringing faithful prayers to God. Um, uh, these, these things are so powerful that they have a tendency to pull us over the edge with them. I remember standing next to Niagara Falls uh, years ago. I've been there actually several times, many times. And that powerful water that goes over is just an illustration of how powerful sin can be. It can just pull us right over. Uh, but God has given us uh, the, 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 the strength to stand 
um, and be whole and be healed in his name. Surely, the psalmist said, surely the great waters will not, will not cause us our, and our, 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 own, our own destruction. Uh, as we look into God, we find a deep and abiding security in him. God is our refuge and strength and an ever-present help in time of trouble. The way to spiritual health, the path to spiritual health, is, is everything to do with confession, keeping an open and honest heart before God and allowing him to search your heart day by day, not because he's, He's mean, he's not a, a taskmaster, he's not, you know, because, of, because of the love that he, rich love that he has for us to bring us into the fullness of the relationship. This is what the resurrection has made possible. To bring out what has been hidden and to find the hiding place, not just a hiding place, but to find the hiding place, the deep security that we find in God, find it and then stay there and they stay there. All of this is possible because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Hope that things can be different. Hope that I can change is real because Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. So Father, I pray and give thanks today. I thank you, Father God, that you have made it possible. You know, that, that, that you've made a real choice possible. Uh, we, we are not like our ancestors who started out with a clean slate, a clean piece of paper, as they say. Uh, but we were born into sin. And we were born already inclined to go our own way, to define right and wrong as we see it, uh, to disobey, to not follow, and not find our freedom in partnering with you. But Jesus has made this possible for us to choose you to find our freedom in you, to partner with you, uh, to trust in your knowledge. Uh, he's made all this possible, to know forgiveness and the life-giving power through the Son of God. This is all possible through the resurrected Jesus. Father, help us to take the path, to see it clearly, and then take the way, a narrow way, that leads to life and to our own spiritual health, Today and always, we pray in Jesus' strong name. Amen.